Crimson Trace announces LaserGuard Pro for today's most popular concealed carry firearms, combining a red or green laser sight with 150 lumen light, taking personal defense to the next level. Available now at your local dealer. Today on Tom Gresham's Gun Talk, Tom's talking the dangers of violent political rhetoric with House Majority Whip Steve Scalise. Plus, taking the word mom back, media misinformation about firearms and more. And as always, call in to 866-TALK-GUN. That's Tom Talk Gun with your comments, questions, and rage reports. And now, the star of our show, here's Tom Gresham. Well, 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 so glad that you could be with us. This is Gun Talk North right now, not in my Louisiana residence, as usual down there. I'm up in the Idaho. Just got through doing some deer hunting. Barely got out of the backcountry before the weather closed it all in. Uh, the backcountry plane's not flying right now because there's clouds in there. We call those cumulogranite clouds. We don't like to mess with those things at all. We have a great show for you today. Some wonderful guests, a lot of things going on. As you may be aware, you may have heard, there's an election coming up in a couple of days, and it's critical. It's big. It's huge. And we'll be talking about that. We're also going to be talking about what has changed in the political rhetoric and we've gone from rhetoric to physical violence. What's going on? How did we get here? And what, if anything, can we do about it? We'll be talking about that as well. Also, uh, we have a guest who's going to be taking back the word mom. She says, moms demand action. Don't speak for me. I'm a shooter. I'm a mom. I protect my family. And then we're going to be talking a little bit about, uh, well, the things you want to talk about, and we'll get your range reports. Now, normally I talk for a little bit more. We're going to take a quick break because I want to have a lot of time. We're going to have Congressman Steve Scalise joining us shortly, the House Majority Whip, talking about the election and kind of where we are with uh, the political landscape. So don't go far. We will be right back. Built for personal and home protection. The Smith & Wesson M&P 380 Shield EZ Pistol features an easy-to-load magazine with load assist button, an easy-to-rack slide, and the M2.0 crisp trigger and enhanced grip texture. With its easy-to-rack, easy-to-pack, and easy-to-shoot design, the M&P 380 Shield EZ is perfectly sized 380 protection. Find out more at smith-wesson.com. Since 1937, Ducks Unlimited has led the charge on wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Wetlands reduce the effects of flooding and recharge our drinking water. But perhaps most importantly, they allow us to experience what makes the outdoors so great. Band together to rescue our wetlands. Tired of searching the web for the best deals on guns, ammunition, and gear? Download the free Gun Dealio app today for deals and discounts right at your fingertips. Handguns, rifles, shotguns, ammo, optics, lasers, gun safes, targets, gun cleaners, grips, slings, and much, much more. Save money on products you want from the companies you love. New deals, discounts, and rebates added daily. Gun Dealio, available for free in the App Store and Google Play. Built to perform in the harshest conditions, the Ruger American Pistol can take it all, from ice to dust and everything in between. The Ruger American Pistol features a short take-up trigger, Novak sights, and a recoil-reducing barrel cam with low-mass slide for reduced felt recoil, plus 
a modular grip system with three sizes to fit almost any hand. Check it out at Ruger.com. The Ruger American Pistol, because anything else would be un-American. All right, I'm sure you are aware there's an election in a couple of days. It's a big one. Uh, it's the midterms, and a lot of times people say, oh, well, it's not the major. No, this is a big one. And it's weird because it's a national election day, but the elections are actually local or state or district in nature. Joining me right now, it's a true pleasure to bring in United States Congressman Steve Scalise. He is the House Majority Whip, and he happens to be my representative in Congress. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be with you. How you been? I am good. By the way, our mutual friend Dan says hello. So he said he'll see you this week. Dan's about one of the smartest guys when it comes to understanding not only uh, how to handle guns, but uh, the, the laws relating to guns and what's at stake and, you know, the kind of threats that come at our Second Amendment rights on a regular basis, which, Tom, as you know, I mean, that's so critical. This Tuesday coming up on, on the elections, literally less than 60 hours from now, the polls will be closed. If you would, give us a little bit of schoolhouse rock education on what happens when leadership in the House, in this case, would flip from Republican to Democrat in terms of uh, committees and agenda. And, you know, I think a lot of people don't understand the inner workings of what that actually means. Well, if you look at where we are right now, the the Republicans have a 23-seat majority in the House. But Nancy Pelosi is working incredibly hard to flip the House from Republican to Democrat. And what that means is a number of things. First of all, if you look at a lot of the ads that are being run, you you will know if you're in a swing district because every commercial you see is not going to be car dealers and trial lawyers. It's going to be commercials on both sides Mm -hmm. of one person hitting the other back and forth. But look at the money. you got Michael Bloomberg, who promotes a very, very strong gun control agenda, spending about $80 million of his money to flip the House to Democrat. You got this guy, Tom Steyer, putting $100 million of his own dollars into flipping the House to Democrat so Pelosi can be Speaker, but also so they can impeach Donald Trump. And they've been vocal about that. They want to impeach the mm-hmm. president. Maxine Waters would be chair of the Financial Services Committee, and they've made it clear they want to go after financial institutions and stop them from, for example, giving loans to any company who makes guns. I mean, we've seen that. Right. Uh, this is their kind of agenda. And so it's about impeaching Donald Trump, blocking his agenda from moving forward and promoting a radical gun control agenda. To, in addition, a lot of other things. I mean, they want open borders. They support this caravan that's marching towards our border. You know, you can see what they want to do. And again, I mean, she flips 23 seats and you can see a map and a layout of how she can actually get there to get the House majority be speaker again. It's, it's that close. I mean, everything I'm looking at says it's, you know, it's really you've got a number of toss-ups and we're not sure exactly what's going to happen. A ton of people have already voted absentee or uh, early voting. Congressman, I mean, how close are we and do you think you can hold on to the House? Tom, it's going to be a battle. You've got probably the estimates are about 25 percent of all votes that will be cast are people who vote early. So you've got a lot of people mm-hmm. who have already voted, but then you've, you've got a whole lot of other people who haven't. And I will tell you what, what really is at stake. There's at least a dozen seats that are truly a coin toss. 
50, in every poll you can see, they're 50-50. And if Pelosi gets most of those seats, she's going to be speaker. If we get most of them, we hold the House. They're going to have very, very high turnout on the Democrat side. You can see their enthusiasm. You can see what they want to do. They want to impeach Trump. They want to resist that whole movement. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. our folks show up, if the people who showed up to vote for Donald Trump two years ago, when the polls said Hillary was going to win, the polls didn't factor in all the people that showed up that don't traditionally vote in every single election. And that's what helped Donald Trump get elected. If we see that same kind of turnout amongst the pro-Trump people who don't want Pelosi to move impeachment, uh, we will hold right. the House. And it's that, it's that important. If you voted two years ago and you maybe aren't sure if you want to vote this time around, just kind of close your eyes and imagine Nancy Pelosi being speaker, what her agenda would be. And when you hear all of her main lieutenants saying they want to move to impeach the president uh, sure, and others, sure. uh, that's, that's what's at stake if you don't show up and vote. Well, I will tell you on a personal level, I, I've always said, you know, vote for the best person. It doesn't really matter if it's an R or a D. I have changed and this. I never thought I would do this. And it was totally based on the Kavanaugh hearings. As I watched what was going on, I, I just said, I'm sorry, because a vote for any Democrat at any level actually helps Pelosi. It helps Feinstein. It helps uh, Maxine Waters. It helps them take over. And I wish, it, you know, we're not the case, but you just, it really is almost a, a team event at this point. And I just said, look, the way they behaved during the Kavanaugh hearings made me say, for the first time, I will never vote for them, ever. It's just not going to happen. If you want to know what they're going to do in the House, just remember what it looked like during those hearings. Well, Tom, the, the Kavanaugh hearings really woke a lot of people up and scared a lot of people when they saw that it was all about search and destroy, destroy character to get Mm -hmm. power at any cost. And anybody who's so hungry for power that they're willing to run over anybody in their way, uh, look what they did not only to Judge Kavanaugh, but remember, Dr. Ford, she did not want to go public. She went to Senator Feinstein and said she wanted to be anonymous, wanted to convey some information, wasn't completely sure what happened. And then six days later, after training and coaching, they outed her. Senator Feinstein yep. and her staff wanted Dr. Ford to become public, even though Dr. Ford didn't, because they thought it would benefit them politically. And so they created this spectacle. And then you saw just crazy allegation, completely unsubstantiated allegations coming out uh, of, you know, the gang rapes and all of this kind of stuff against a good man. Every, think about it. Every single former girlfriend of, of Judge Kavanaugh's who came and testified that he's a good man of high integrity and should be on the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about that standard, and yet you saw the spectrum, and the millions of people saw it. Even swing and voters. Of course, now people, some of the accusers have actually recanted now. Well, we saw that throughout the testimony, and some of the people Dr. Ford gave as witnesses said they never saw any of that happening. So the long and the short of it is, not only did they go to try to search and destroy Judge Kavanaugh, but Dr. Ford didn't even want to become part of this public spectacle either, and they outed her because they wanted uh, – they violated her privacy, literally, because they wanted to destroy this man's life. But it, when you look at Democrats in Washington – I come this from Louisiana, like you, where the blue dogs started, you know, moderate mm-hmm. Democrats. Up in D.C., because of the way Pelosi runs things, you know, you don't have the ability, if you're a Democrat, to vote – the way you want. There were a lot of Democrats who would have liked to vote to cut taxes, for example. That great tax cut bill that's gotten our economy moving like nothing we've mm-hmm. seen before. Great, great they're growth. Not, people they're not allowed more to. Money in their paychecks. 
Every single Democrat voted no, every single one. And so it tells you, you know, you can be a moderate to conservative Democrat in a state like Louisiana, but once you get up to D.C., there's two teams right now. And if you're on Pelosi's team, you're voting with her agenda, and that's it. That's how it works up there. Right, let me ask you, because that, bring, that, that brings me to my next question. Now, you know, and I, I know people know the story. 17 months ago, uh, you're out at a baseball game practice, and this guy tries to commit uh, a massacre of Republican members of Congress. Uh, you get shot. Fortunately, there were good people with guns there that stopped this guy. Uh, how did we get to the point, and I know you've given this a lot of thought, and I, I saw your opinion piece at Fox News. How do we get to the point where we, we actually have members of Congress, Democrats, advocating violence uh, openly? I, I can't even imagine. How did we get here? What's going on? Uh, you know, it's unfortunate to see it, and, and it's real. I, I really wish we could just get back to uh, the discourse where you, you battle for in the marketplace of ideas. If your ideas are better than mine, you go out and you, you try to persuade people. We have a, mm-hmm. this great First Amendment where you can freely speak. Uh, you can also challenge your government, but you do it verbally and you settle your differences at the ballot box. Resorting to violence to resolve political disputes is never acceptable. Unfortunately, we're seeing some of that right now. You're seeing, uh, like you saw in that tragedy at the Tree of Life synagogue, where uh, mm-hmm. a, a lunatic went and killed people based on their religious beliefs because they were Jewish. Uh, there's no place for that. We need to stand up against it. Any kind of hatred, bigotry, uh, violence of any kind, we all need to come together and stand up against that. And hopefully, as a society, uh, start turning the page because we, we don't want this to become the new normal. All right. Uh, a couple of more quick questions. I've, I've kept you long. And I appreciate your, your patience with me. Uh, we were looking at, and it just went away, the uh, national reciprocity bill where if you have a concealed carry permit in one state, it's good in all states. We know that good guys with guns save m- probably millions of lives a year. Is there any possibility that you can see of that coming back and getting passed? I'd sure like to see it pass. You know, that's Richard Hudson's bill, concealed carry reciprocity, of which I'm a proud co-sponsor. Uh, incidentally, today is Richard Hudson's birthday. So uh, ah. a good friend of mine, I just saw him a few days ago in North Carolina when I was campaigning in a lot of the swing districts. And so happy birthday to Richard. We need to pass that concealed carry uh, reciprocity bill of Richard's. And it passed the House. Uh, we had a good, strong vote in the House. It hasn't moved mm-hmm. through the Senate yet. But look, there's an election coming up. And on Tuesday, that's one of the things that you can go and look at is, Who's actually Absolutely. supporting your Second Amendment rights? A lot of people talk the talk, but then there were people who voted against that bill, and they ought to be held accountable for their vote uh, at the ballot box on Tuesday. Yeah, the ones who say, I, sum- I support the Second Amendment, but, and then they go and on with a whole list of your, restrictions. Your rights every time you want to, uh, <laughs> to, to strengthen your rights and keep the government out exactly. of your business uh, and get back to the true core of what the Constitution uh, really stands for in terms of all of our rights, First Amendment, Second Amendment. Of the entire Bill of Rights. All right. I'm going to throw this out. I know people ask you, you know, what happens with the uh, uh, the House and speakership and all that. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. You know, we got 2020 coming up, and then we got 2024 coming up. And I just checked. You're not that old, partner. Um, you know, 2024, I'm in your corner. Ah. Look, we, we got to get through this election. I uh, I am not even taking a bait on any of that stuff. I, 
I focus on what we've got to do today and tomorrow. We've got to get people out to vote next on Tuesday. Literally just two days yep. away. This two is days a, away. a critical yep. election. And and you don't have to wonder what Pelosi would do as speaker. She was speaker before, back when they did Obamacare and they did cap and trade in the House to take away our ability to produce energy in America. They passed Dodd Frank uh, to really cripple our financial institutions locally, the community banks that help our small businesses grow and get first-time home buyers. This is all what's at stake in addition to your Second Amendment rights. Get out and vote on Tuesday. Tell your friends to get out and vote on Tuesday and tell them why it's critical to keep a Republican House and keep this economy humming. House Majority Whip, Congressman Steve Scalise. Congressman, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing you when we both get back home. Great to be with you, Tom. Appreciate what you do to protect the Second Amendment. All right, you take care. All right, there it is. You know, two two days away. And I know a lot of folks have already voted, obviously. Um, what's interesting to me as I'm looking online are the comments from people and how far from reality, at least as I understand reality, a lot of people are. Just looking at a fellow commenting, he says, we need to make firearms possession a capital offense. And after we have executed a couple of hundred thousand gun owners, maybe everyone will get the message. I'm not making that up. Latest estimates from ATF are there are roughly 405 million guns in the United States of America, more than maybe more than 200 million people own guns. 200 million people. What's always interesting is how people who say we should confiscate the guns say, and we're going to send people with guns to get you people with guns. Normally, it's just an interesting thought here. Normally, usually, routinely, folks on the left, at least historically, have been a little bit suspicious of putting all the power with the government. And how that changed, I don't know. But over the last 30, 40 years, it's changed. And so the folks on the left are now saying, no, the government should have all the power. And they should have a monopoly on force. Of course, it's the same people who say, you know, the police are out of control. You know, we have to do something about that. We've got to, you know, abolish ICE. At the same time saying that, yeah, but people shouldn't have guns. It should be only the government who has monopoly on force. There are times when I wonder, have they really thought this through? Have they gone to the, how would that happen? How would you confiscate guns? How are you going to go physically take guns away from 200 million people? And I know people say, well, you know, they'll pass a law that you have to turn them in, get it out. Yeah, okay, yeah, a lot of people do that. I get that. I know some of my friends say, well, people won't do that. Yeah, they will. Because they're not going to risk running afoul of the law. Gee, why would that be? Oh, it might be because, yeah, we're the law-abiding folks. Crooks and criminals, I don't think, are going to care an awful lot about complying with any given gun law. And... While we're at it, let's return to 1968, Haynes v. United States, where the Supreme Court of the United States said, if you are a prohibited person, if you 
by law cannot own a gun, you cannot be compelled to register your gun. I would think that would also apply with you cannot be compelled to turn in your gun because that would be self-incrimination. Because, of course, you can't be forced to incriminate yourself. And so they said, if you are prohibited from owning a gun, you can't be required to register your gun. Therefore, you can't be required to turn in your gun. Therefore, this follows, the only people who can be compelled to turn in their guns are law-abiding people. Does that make any sense to anyone? I don't know. I just... I. No, of course not. And when you point that out to people, they go, that can't be right. And I go, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. It's not right, but it is correct. It is a fact. Look it up. Haynes versus U.S., 1968. It's there. Hey, I just got out of the mountains here, and um, we were hunting deer. Some folks were hunting elk. Uh, One of the guys in a camp right next to us, uh, he got his elk. I just want to pass this along. It was impressive to me. Using a 6.5 Creedmoor rifle, which is not a particularly big caliber, using the 127 grain Barnes bullet, he broke both shoulders of a bull elk at 320 yards, laser verified, with that, what a lot of people would say is a small cartridge, a pipsqueak cartridge. It's an interesting thing, and I guess it once again points out that there tends to be a move from the magnums to the mediums. I'm wondering if that is something that you've been doing, something that you've been considering. Just uh, throwing that out for thought. Also, we're looking for range reports now. It is pretty much open lines if you'd like to join us. Anything you want to talk about, the election, gun rights, what Congressman Scalise said, or mediums or magnums. 866-TALK-GUN is our number here, or just call me at Tom Talk gun i'm tom gresham of course we're uh, in the northern section of gun talk right now look it out at the mountains in idaho we'll be right back with more gun talk good morning mr gresham your mission should you decide to accept it is to host a radio show that will bring truth and common sense to the discussion of firearms rights in this country good luck tom to you and your Tom Gresham's Gun Talk team. And we're back with you. Hey, don't forget, go to guntalk.com slash win, W-I-N. This month, our uh, six-hour giveaway, very cool stuff. They've got the M400 Tread. That's their sweetheart AR-15. Also, as part of the package, you got SIG ammo. you got a SIG Romeo 5 Optic. Uh, there are some other chances to win cool stuff there. Guntalk.com dot com slash win and you can enter for a chance to win that all right going to the phones line three alan's with us out of arcadia florida hey alan you've made it on to gun talk what's up thank you for taking my call i um just was listening to the radio station last night that we have here in arcadia that you're broadcasting on and they were talking about the number of homicides in the united states versus the amount of guns that people own which i heard you refer to earlier and I, the information was for the year 2016, so I went on the Internet and tried to see how many people died from opioid overdoses, car accidents, from alcoholism, mm-hmm. from a myriad of other things like lung cancer, from smoking. And it's basically hundreds of thousands of people that are 
dying from these different things that are self-induced and worried about 11. I mean, I don't want to see anybody killed from a homicide, but 11,000 deaths from a homicide is what they said mm-hmm. on the uh, talk show last night. So people that are well, so concerned me- about this aren't looking at other folks that are have, having deaths from self-related issues. Suicide, okay, so like wh- why do you... Why do you think that is? Why do you think there is this compulsion to talk about firearms and the misuse of guns, even though we know that uh, homicides have gone down by 50% over the last 20 years while gun sales have gone crazy and so-called gun crimes are down 70% over the last 20 years? Why do you think we have this conversation constantly about guns? I I wish I knew. (laughs) It <laughs> doesn't really make sense to, be, to me, to be honest with you, to single out one thing that's causing 11,000 deaths in the year 2016 as opposed to the other hundreds of thousands of deaths that are being uh, perpetrated on our, our population by people right, who provide me, things that are injurious. Let me throw out a possibility for you and get your reaction to it, okay? Because yes, I've been doing this for 50 years now, and what I have arrived at is it's not about, gun control is not about guns, it's about control. It is about a culture war. It's about compliance. It's about controlling those who are different from you, those who are the other. And it is about imposing will upon people. And those of us who have guns are independent, appear to be independent, are prepared to take care of ourselves, are willing to take care of our own families, and don't need necessarily the support network of an all-encompassing, all-beneficial government. And so I would offer that I think firearms are the perfect example of a culture war, of those who would like to impose their will on others, whereas those of us with with guns kind of have a leave-me-alone, I don't want to control anybody else, I just want to live my own life. What do you think? Well, I think you're exactly right. I'm 70 years old, and I've never seen anything like this in my life. And actually, I'm I'm really more and more concerned every day about what people are trying to do and the rights that I think they're trying to take away from us. You're 70. I'm getting close to that. One of the things I think we have to do, our responsibility, is to let people who are younger know how much things have changed and how things were before, before there was such a thing as a licensed gun store, before there was such a thing as a 4473 form, before there was a, an instant background check, before there was an FBI check, before there were such things as gun rationing, one gun a month in some places, and how things were just fine. And I think, I think we have to make it part of our life's mission to talk about this whenever we can, not just bring it up among gun people, but look for opportunities to bring it up. Uh, I don't know, uh, Alan, I mean, what do you think? You're the, you have as much experience with this as I do. Well, two things. I don't belong to the NRA, so I'm not tooting their horn. And the second thing is that I voted the very day that I could early and. I think our vote is our strongest thing that we have in go- going for us in our country, and I believe that anybody that doesn't vote is a fool and 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 would will eventually suffer the consequences of those who want to control what we do in our lives. 
Well, I remember uh, Alan Simpson, the congressman, said in politics, you either take part or you get taken apart. And that's pretty much what you just said. Now, let me ask you a quick question. Before I don't have a lot of time. You said you're not a member that's of right. the NRA, but you're a gun guy. Why, why are you not a member of the NRA? Um, I, I, don't, I don't really have a good answer for that, to be honest with you. Just, I guess it's not a high priority on my list at this time. Okay. Uh, if you care about gun rights, if you care about guns, uh, and, and look, I don't agree with everything the NRA says or does, but I think every gun owner must belong because if they have 5 million members now and they are somewhat effective, imagine if they had 10 or 15 or 20 million, we wouldn't even be having the discussion. The discussion would be over. The debate would be over. And it's going to take people like you saying, you know, I'm going to get off my rear. I'm going to go, I mean, 35 bucks a, m- a year, give me a break. It's nothing. Uh, so I'm just going to ask you personally, please join. Um, you know, just by joining, if you do nothing else, you help. Okay? I'm going to, I'm going to answer you personally. I'm going to do that because you asked me to. And, and I used to belong to that, and I got lazy, and I didn't renew, and I'm going to, I'm going to sign back up. Well, I appreciate it, you know, and I think your situation is like a lot of people who say, yeah, I used to belong, I kind of dropped it, and then, you go, okay, it's time, saddle up. Like you say, if you're not voting, you're a fool, and I say if you're a gun owner and you're not an NRA member, you're a fool. Yeah, that always ticks people off when I say that. Alan, thank you so much for your call, I appreciate that. Quick break here, we got Justin, we got Tim, but we do have room for you if you'd like to join us right now, 866-TALK-GUN, Gun Talk, coming right back. Laser sights are an essential firearms training tool, improving the skill level of the shooter by enhancing proper fundamentals like sight alignment and trigger control and providing life-saving practices that can be depended on in moments of crisis. Call 800-442-2406 or visit crimsontrace.com for a free copy of our laser training video, The Laser's Edge, and learn why Crimson Trace is making laser sights standard equipment. Used guns can be a great value, but you have to know who you're buying from. What if you could buy quality used guns with a lifetime warranty from the Internet's largest online reseller? That's what you get at Dewey'sGuns.com. They stand behind every firearm purchase for life. If you have a problem, they'll either fix or replace your gun. Pistols, rifles, shotguns, and more. Check out their inventory today at Dewey'sGuns.com. For six years, the U.S. Sportsmen's Alliance has been fighting to protect hunting, fishing, and trapping for sportsmen from coast to coast. Today, we are under constant attack from extremist animal rights groups who want to end your ability to hunt in the U.S. Join us to protect our sporting heritage and our way of life outdoors. To join or for more information on how you can help, go to ussportsmen.org. That's ussportsmen.org. Back with you. Justin's in Grafton, Illinois, on line two. Hey, Justin, this whole discussion of magnums versus mediums, particularly for hunting calibers, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I really think if, if you're going to a medium caliber cartridge, you have to have the ballistic coefficient 
to have the pilot driving power to reach what you need to get to. So, you know, the, the 6.5 is known for its ballistic coefficient. And, mm-hmm. you know, so therefore, if you all you got to do is put that little bullet right where you need it to go. Yeah, right where you well, right <laughs> yeah. where you want it to be, and all it has to right. do is reach, is reach the vitals. You know the 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 great part was it reached through the vitals and hit the other shoulder. So mm-hmm. you know it, if I remember correctly, it was Hemingway who used to take elephants with a six point five by fifty five. So if you're taking a multi ton animal with a cartridge of that size, it to me it's you know and obviously you experienced it, you saw it. It doesn't take a whole lot to take a 12, 1,500-pound bull. No, it does not, and you're right. BC, the ballistic coefficient, is that helps you reduce the drop. It makes the cartridge more efficient. It keeps the velocity up and, and keeps the energy up at distance. And then you have the other side of that, which is the sectional density, and that's also where uh, the 6.5 does so well because you end up with a little bit longer bullets, and the longer a bullet is for its weight, or, or caliber rather, then you have more sectional density, and sectional density is what gives you penetration. That along with construction these days, and we have these marvelous controlled expansion bullets. Um, you know, I, I've looked at the ballistics, the trajectories, if you will, of some of the magnums. If you take a 300 magnum shooting certain bullets, 100, call it 180-grain bullet, but not necessarily a high BC bullet. And then you take a 6.5 with a high BC bullet, the trajectories are nearly identical. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, it's, it's easier to practice with a cartridge that has a good trajectory because there's a lot less guessing going on. You know, not everybody has that, you know, has that laser rangefinder to pinpoint exactly 320 yards. So mm-hmm. if you can practice out to 200, 250, and you know that your bullet will do what you need to do out to 400, you'll have a lot mm-hmm. more confidence in it. You won't have to think about it as hard. And then you can practice, you can focus more on press the trigger, and you know your bullet's going to do what you need it to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Exactly right. I appreciate it. Yeah, exactly right, Justin. That BC is pretty amazing, and a lot of people are discovering they don't need those big magnums. And frankly, in many cases, they're just not that much fun to shoot. Let's go to line one with Tim in North Dakota, where there's a breaking story there. And I'm gl- Tim, I'm glad that you called in. Tell people what's going on up there. This is kind of heinous. Well, we've got a, a senator up there that's desperate and uh, will say and do anything to get herself reelected. Uh, she's now coming out and threatening uh, and warning people uh, about losing their hunting rights if they vote. Uh, She's actually it, saying it if you do if with you, our hunting it, laws, yeah, it has to do with our hunting laws through the fish and game here in North Dakota, and they're kind of right. hazy in places. About uh, it happened with my son-in-law when him and his wife, uh, my wife, uh, or, excuse me, my son-in-law and my daughter, excuse me, uh, when they went uh, to Iowa to go to school, he lost his hunting rights because they moved out of state. Uh, you know, they were voting there and everything, you know, and uh, that type well, of you thing. Know, so, all you're saying is that they become a resident of another state. Now, you can't uh, buy a resident. You can only buy resident hunting licenses in one state. So if you're a North Dakota resident, you can buy a resident license there. If you move them out and never, you're a resident yeah, of another state, that's correct. you can't do yeah, that. They, but, but what's going on here? Let me, let me just jump right in here because what's going on is 
hunters in North Dakota are being told, if you vote in this election, you will lose the ability to hunt in North Dakota. That's crazy. How did, yeah. Are, are yeah. people understanding how nuts that is? Well, that's the thing. A lot of people, we hope, are not, you know, are, are not, are not going to pay any attention to this. Uh, but there's a lot of younger people, you know, that go to college, out of state, this type of thing, that uh, still maintain a residency here in North Dakota. See, that's the catch-22 on it. So, okay. All right. Let me, let me actually read. This is from the North Dakota Democratic uh, NPL website. It says, quote, attention hunters. If you vote in North Dakota, you may forfeit hunting licenses you have in other states. If you want to keep your out-of-state hunting licenses, you may not want to vote in North Dakota. Obviously, what this is is trying to get conservatives to not vote because they're afraid they're going to lose their out-of-state hunting licenses. It makes no sense. Anybody, any North Dakotan can buy a non-resident out-of-state hunting license in any state. And the fact that you vote or don't vote in North Dakota has nothing to do with you buying non-resident tags or out-of-state hunting licenses in another state. This is a, a fairly horrible scare tactic, but it does kind of, I think you made the point, Tim, it tells you how desperate they are to try to keep conservatives away from the ballot box. Exactly. Her this uh, Senate uh, candidate has a brother that has a very liberal talk show up here. And on Friday, I confronted him because he was complaining about how he's been painted as anti-gun. Well, I mm-hmm. called in and I asked him, I said, well, uh, if you're uh, pro-gun, then you fully support the North Dakota constitutional carry law. He immediately said, oh, no. He says, I, North Dakota went way too far in uh, pushing uh, this uh, open carry law, you know, or this uh, constitutional carry law. And, you know, and then he, we went around about the Second Amendment. You know, we need a well-regulated militia. He kept going on and on and on about that. And I said, mm-hmm. well, that is true. It says the Second Amendment does say that. But I said, what does the second half of the Second Amendment say? That's and right, the I, right of the he, people. He, would, he wouldn't repeat it. And I so I did, and he hung up the phone on me. <laughs> well, Tim, good for you for challenging it, and thank you for bringing this up for everybody to know what's going on. Heidi Heikamp in North Dakota. Yeah, they're uh, trying to scare hunters away from the ballot box. Don't be afraid if you're in North Dakota, if you have a relative there, call them and say, hey, this is BS. Voting in North Dakota will not endanger your out-of-state hunting licenses anywhere. It's nonsense. But I do love the folks who say, yeah, I support the, full, the Second Amendment, but but, you know, we can't really have people having too many rights because we ought to dial back your fundamental constitutional civil rights. Well, maybe maybe you really don't support the Second Amendment. You think? 866-TALK-GUN. All right, talk about these rifles going out hunting. I'm four. Michael's with us out of Houston, Texas. Michael, mags versus mediums. What do you think? Hey, Michael, you there? Yes, sir. Well, Good afternoon. All righty. Yes, sir. Just like We're talking about these magnums like and mediums. What do you, what, what's your take on that? Well, I've always been a magnum aficionado. Um, 
back when uh, Lane Simpson was really promoting that 7 STW, I built one of those and, you know, kept it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, 300 mag, always been a favorite. But about 20 years ago, my gunsmith recommended I try a 708. And okay. I built a 708 improved, actually improved. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that has been my all-time go-to favorite rifle since then. It's a great caliber, man. It, it, it actually, people don't understand this, it actually outperforms the 308. It does. And the ballistic coefficient of the 7 millimeter 140 grain is almost identical to the 6.5 Creedmoor. And mm-hmm. that little cartridge kicks, I mean, has very minimal recoil and right. is just wickedly accurate. I mean, that, that was well, a one whole gun. And I, I can share with you uh, this earlier this week. I got my mule deer with a seven mm eight using a hundred and twenty grain Barnes uh, all copper bullet. So I mean, works great. I've always been a fan of the seven mm eight from when it originally came out. And but my my thing right now is I really want to have a project and build a super lightweight rifle for next year. These hills are getting steeper. <laughs> right. Right? No doubt about it. And, you know, there's no issue for those things reaching out. Um, I had that that dialed in for 400, but could easily reach out further safely. And, you know, it was just just a great gun. Absolutely. um, Look, I appreciate you you weighing in on that. Uh, A vote for the 7MM08. I am a huge fan. I'm going to throw something out here, too. I think... For a lot of us, and I will tell you, this year really made the point to me. I think if you're doing any hunting where there's a chance of a shot longer than 300 yards, a laser rangefinder has become an essential part of your hunting gear. The problem is not where you say, well, I'm not going to take a, a shot that long. The problem is knowing, is the shot that long? If you say, well, I'm just not going to shoot past 300 yards, well, great, depending on where you are in this big country where I'm hunting out here, it's often hard to tell the difference between 300 and 400 or even 500 yards. Big, wide expanses with nothing between you and the deer or the elk. And even if you just used your laser rangefinder as a go-no-go, shoot-don't-shoot tool, that would be worthwhile. It would be ethical if you said, yeah, but I also want to be able to make shots at 300, 400, 500 yards, and your rifle's up to it, and you're up to it, and the scope's up to it, whether you're doing dial-ups or you're using hash marks in your scope, getting accurate range information is absolutely critical to make that happen. So I have become a convert to, I think, good binoculars are essential, and I think a good quality laser rangefinder is an important and maybe an essential part of hunting with a rifle in many parts of the country these days. It's a transition that I wasn't sure I really wanted to make, but after a couple of years, the last couple of years of hunting in big, wide-open country, I'm a believer. It's as simple as that. 
Hey, when we come back, we're going to be talking to a woman who says she's taking back the word mom, no longer belonging only to the Moms Demand Action. Be right back. 